0: three types of people in this world those who love to create meals which is me those who love to enjoy it and those who couldn't care less about food but love a good gathering with friends and family so I feel like we can't go wrong with this new segment meals and memories so hi Deanna hello Sarah thinking back over your life what has been a favorite meal you have either created or enjoyed and why is it memorable for you
1: I don't know if I can come up with one particular meal. I love cooking. Mm. I love creating a meal and I'm at my happiest when I'm not following a recipe. For me, probably a favourite meal would be when I'm surprised by how lovely everything has turned out. And I sit down and I think, oh, I don't know how they've got there, but that's yummy.
0: Deanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we dive into the topic, can you please tell us a little bit about your journey so far?
1: Well, I have grown up in a Christian home. Certainly was schooled in Christian-based education. Went to boarding school as a six-year-old from the farm and we went to church every Sunday. That was an expectation. But I think my relationship with Jesus really became for me a reality when my parents separated. I was 13 years old and my parents got divorced. My father was an alcoholic. My mom just decided she needed to get... three girls and herself out of that situation. We were on holiday at a a different church and they had an altar call and I thought I do know Jesus as my saviour but I think I'm really going to need him now. I think I'm going to have to make him my number one. I don't have a dad in the house now my mom's going to be extra busy, and I'm really going to have to tap into Jesus at that stage. And I made a recommitment at that time, and really upon reflection, probably my first serious commitment to having him as my saviour and my leader. And my light, really. And so ever since then, I've had a pretty simple faith. I keep it very simple. I don't get complex. I don't overthink my faith. Probably as simple as what would Jesus do Mm -hmm. in any given circumstance. And that, for me, is my yardstick, really, by which I measure a lot of my decision-making. I don't know where I would have been without him as my Mm -hmm. guide, as my narrow path, really, as anybody who's had anything to do with teenagers knows how many temptations come by their way at that mm. point and how very important peers are to them. And the peers' decision weighs far more heavily than a parent's direction. It was very important to me as my peers were making some big decisions to step out and socialize and begin testing a whole lot of things that. I knew of my promise. As much as Jesus had promised me that he'd be there for me, I took very seriously my promise that I would follow him. That made my life as a teenager probably a lot easier when it came to making very difficult decisions about which way I should go socially. Yes, in in terms of my teenagehood, that, that was my rock. I have three beautiful children, all adult children now, and I'm married to Pierre. We've been married for 31 years. He has his version of why we've married, and I have my version. (laughs) Do you want to tell us your version? (laughs) No, No. because he might want to come onto her daily drive (laughs) and... (laughs) And counter it. We have been happily married, but as all marriages, you know, it's, you'd be pretending if you thought it wasn't very hard work. I am a teacher first and foremost. Probably in everything I do, I mm. still love to teach. All these years later, I qualified initially in South Africa as an English and closer teacher. Not closer is an ethnic African language which a lot of people here certainly wouldn't know about. Mm. It was Nelson Mandela's mother tongue and I taught that in high school for several years and then I became disillusioned with the fact that I was teaching in a whites only school in South Africa and that bothered me terribly and so I gave it away. I then worked for 12 years with an Mm. organisation called SOS Children's Villages where we cared for orphaned and abandoned children on a permanent basis Mm. just before we immigrated to Australia.
0: Deanna, what topic are you going to share with us today?
1: I have something which is still something very dear to me, and that was how our church family here in Australia reached out to us to include us in their families, mm. despite being very busy when we immigrated in 1999, you leave your country, you leave your family, you leave your culture, your language, your background, your roots, and it's only when you get to the new country you realise, I have no family. So my topic really that I thought we could chat about Mm -hmm. is the importance of our church as our family.
0: Why is it so important in today's society that we are actually a family as a church?
1: In a funny kind of way, you know, everybody talks about how connected we are today, Mm. how connected we are. We're a global village we are more connected than ever when ironically i think we're more disconnected than ever i am concerned by the fact that so much of our communication today is voiceless it's faceless it's touchless if there's such a word and so increasingly i think people are becoming more and more lonely Mm -hmm. despite us thinking we're connected and we know what's going on in each other's lives I could probably tell you a lot about a lot of people's lives just through social media, but I haven't had a word to say to them. I haven't had them to my home. I haven't been to their home. I don't really know what's going on in their hearts. And so somewhere, something has to take responsibility for actually being the catalyst for being family for people. And in a city like the Gold Coast, you know, when we came here in 1999, there were 260,000 people living here, and we're now just short of 600,000. It's an itinerant, transient community, population. Everybody from the Gold Coast seems to be from somewhere else. Who are these people's families? Who's their support structure? Who's loving them despite their faults? So we live in this very glitzy city where everything must shine, everything must be happy. People come here in search of that stuff, and yet I think they're very lonely. We were just very, very fortunate that we turned to the church, mostly because we felt that's a good place to find community, but the community actually turned into our family. We really saw this whole immigration thing as a big adventure. We saw it as a necessity at the time for future for our children for a whole range of reasons. But the response that we got from several families at our church who are still our friends today, in fact they're our family today here, and you know we have families with whom we spend Christmas every year I always say to people that's one of the best things we got to choose who we spend Christmas with. you actually do get to choose your family <laughs> we get to choose our family there's a yeah. lot to be said for that that's a big bonus in having no family you can pick and choose yeah. but at the same time you know as as I want to encourage other people to reach out mm-hmm. and do the same as people did for us and mm-hmm. we try to do now for other people you're not going to become Christmas families with everybody you're mm-hmm. not going to become best friends as you can't be best friends even with your own biological family always, it still is important to put that hand out and Mm -hmm. reach out as you would for a brother or a sister. And some of that might turn into friendship, some of it might not at all.
0: (laughs) Deanna, what was your experience with actually reaching out to the church and them reaching out to you?
1: Well, when we arrived in the January, we arrived two days before school started. We weren't familiar with the schooling system here at all. I didn't know which were the good schools. I did have an uncle living on the coast at the time. So people would say, oh, but you did have family. In a funny kind of way, he didn't really get us as family, although he welcomed us as family and loved the fact that we had come over. He was a bachelor he had not had children of his own, he certainly didn't have grandchildren. So we were a bit of a foreign entity in itself to him on where do we now fit in to his family. And so it wasn't as though we had anybody onto whom we could latch who had Mm. similar values or similar ideals or needs for that matter. So our history told us that the church is where you're going to find this. So we arrived at the end of January and by that Easter we had sought out a church and in those days it was Rabina Service Paradise Uniting Church. That's where we came and it was just incredible. Fortunately you don't know how tough it will be when you immigrate. That's a very good thing and the less you know, the better. Because you arrive, you don't know anybody. You mm-hmm. know, I would walk in the supermarket in those early days, coming from a job where everybody in the community knew me because I was doing PR work for the organisation mm. for whom I'd worked. So Pierre refused to shop with me because we wouldn't get a shopping done. <laughs> for a few items would take us an hour and a half because everybody would stop and go, oh, how are the children going at this? So mm-hmm. it was Children's Village. And I was obliged and wanted to tell them all about what was happening there. And here, after a month, I said to Pierre, I just wish I knew." somebody in the shops and you know you don't recognize people they're just it's a foreign country everything's foreign so it was really lovely after a few weeks at church I would bump into people at the supermarket that I knew and I felt you know okay I think we're getting there I think we're getting there but it was the people who invited us to their home or if they were going on a picnic they would just call us up and say we're going to the park would you like to join us or if we had church family outings we used to have a water sports day people would say oh, are you going they'd be sure to include us or I ask us to join them in their cabin at the family camp so we were always made to feel as though we were part of and we had invitations to people's homes i don't think we do enough of that kind of thing nowadays we tend to go out and Mm. meet people outside of our homes i think i don't know if we're too concerned what our homes look like and it was interesting in those early days too because i had no support structure i didn't have p and i couldn't go on a date (laughs) because mm. we had nobody to look after our children until we started saying, well, you know what, we're just going to ask so-and-so who also has children, if they could have our children for the evening. And the first response to bearing in mind, we live in a city like the Gold Coast where people might have come from Sydney or Melbourne or Perth, they were in the same boat we were. It didn't matter really. They were all immigrants to the city. And so the soon as we started plucking up the courage to actually ask people to help us, the more we found people were going, oh, thank heavens for asking me. I was so desperate to... Ask somebody and I can ask you. And we started then looking out for each other's children. Mm. And I was helping a friend. She was doing night duty and she'd drop her kids off when she went to night duty and she'd fetch them in the morning. Or we would look out for each other. And if our husbands were away on business, we'd come around for dinner and the kids would come in their pajamas. I'm sure that still happens. I'm not in that category of lifestyle <laughs> at the moment. Neither. My kids won't want to go <laughs> pajama dinnering yeah. with me anymore. Yeah, I'm sure it still happens. But I, I just would love to see us let our guards down. Mm. and and have people in our homes with our slippers on dishes in the sink just say come for a cup of tea just come for a chat I just think there's more of that required because we don't have those kinds of sisters in our neighborhood really a lot of people don't most of my friends do not have brothers and sisters around so they're very dependent on making those connections with friends I think the church is a good place to start or your next door neighbors We have a little policy in our family Mm -hmm. where we really do believe it's not just loving your neighbour in Mm. the church family. We have a policy, and we've moved a lot on the Gold Coast (laughs) since we've been here initially in those very early years before we bought a home. We make sure that before the sun sets on the first day, we will meet our neighbours. We still do that. If new people move into our street, I might take over a plate of scones and or a cake and a note welcoming them with the names of all the people in the street and we still do that to this day and i think this is what god calls us to do not just in the church but to reach out to Mm. our neighbors With the result is we've had the most fantastic neighbors wherever we've gone yes we've always had wonderful streets and there's a real sense of camaraderie (laughs)
0: Does God have a perspective, and he obviously does, but what is his perspective on us,
1: the church, being family fathers? I think we're instructed to do just that all Mm -hmm. the way through from start to finish. Probably more of the obvious instruction was Jesus sending out his disciples to go and do that. We are told to love our neighbour. Probably the most foundational instruction that we were given in the Bible is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind, and to love your neighbour as you love yourself. That's another topic for another whole day, but loving ourselves can be the challenge sometimes. But I do feel that sometimes if we love our neighbours, despite perhaps not loving ourselves on any given day, the response is sometimes enough to begin loving ourselves a little more. Yes, I don't think it's a question of whether God expects that of us or not I think mm-hmm. that's the foundation on which our faith stands and it's sometimes hard because we get a little bit self-obsessed we mm-hmm. get busy I'm guilty of all of those things frequently and it's the soon as I begin to think you know what just slow down just look at who actually needs perhaps more than you do outside of your circle that my burden becomes so much lighter You begin to reach out as a sister in Christ to your neighbour or somebody at church and suddenly all your woes just disappear into nothing when you look around you. And I, I think that's a funny kind of gift in itself where giving becomes the gift for you, the sense of reward or satisfaction or just the joy that comes from getting back from the people to whom you've given.
0: Are there any Bible verses that have inspired you along your journey?
1: Well, I think before we moved to Australia and before I even began to think of the church as family, I was so concerned with giving up my family and sacrificing access to my family on a regular basis that I needed to focus on how was I going to get through this. And I resorted to what's probably my favorite Bible verse, if it's even possible to have one, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I think I certainly clung to that verse knowing that I have to again trust God implicitly for what lies ahead. But in terms of the church family verse and the guidelines there, just when I began to think, you know what, I think I've done my bit for reaching out to people and I think I'm going to get on with some other project and I'm just reminded again where Paul writes to the Ephesians and he is very clear in reminding them about God's attempt to get us to unify his creation, to bind together as human beings in love more than anything else. And so Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 22 for me is an encouragement where he writes and he tells these people, the Ephesians that consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So for me, a verse like that or a couple of verses like that certainly summarize not just the Gold Coast or my life, but Australia, which Mm -hmm. is made up of so many different cultures, so many foreigners, so many strangers. If we could all just have this little thing running in our head that we are no longer foreigners and strangers, we are in fact now Australian, but even better, we are fellow citizens with God's people and we are now members of his household, Mm -hmm. which makes us a family which makes us brothers and sisters of the same kind and and in his image and his creation. And if we just remember that, that he designed us and created us to be interesting, to be different. Imagine if we were all the same. That would be terrible. But at the same time, it's that difference that we're asked to embrace. Another Bible verse that comes to mind is when Jesus tells the story when they ask who your neighbor is, and he tells the story of the Samaritan. And it's not his own people who stop to pick him up in that story It's his opposition. It's the people who everybody would have expected would walk past. And so while in a courtyard after a church service, we might be inclined to go to the people whom we like or the people with whom we can engage better, be that language, culture, background, or to whom we can relate because of our children's ages or our husband's interests or whatever the case might be, it's the marginalized that we're actually called to make extra time for. To go out and stop for the very person for whom you probably would not normally stop. My friends have accused me of never wanting to talk to them. (laughs) I think, well, I can talk to you another time. <laughs> or we, can, we know where to find each other. We can mm-hmm. do that. Because I try very hard to try and sit next to people I don't know in church or I will go up to talk to people I've not talked to before or at a, a women's event, I will go and sit at a table very pointedly, sometimes with shock horror on the people's faces at the table, just to go and sit down to a young woman who looks like a mum who might just need a bit of encouragement. And that to me is part of trying to be a sister to people. <laughs> Before we finish say do you have any
0: final words of encouragement for listeners?
1: Well I think I'd like to encourage them to say, you know in days when you're feeling really down, you're feeling lonely or you're feeling your family might be very far away, just connect and sometimes we need to just remember that we can't always expect others to reach out to us. If we can just find it in ourselves to say, you know what, I'm going to make myself vulnerable, I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to invite somebody around for a cup of tea. I'm going to reach out. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. Just have them round to your house and just tell them to bring half the menu. It doesn't matter. But just you reach out. And I think you might start seeing that the more you do that, the more your family will grow overnight. And within that family that grows, you will begin to work out who are going to be your closer friends. But if you're going to sit and wait for people to knock on your door, it might take a little longer. So I'd like to encourage people to take the first step reach out and be a sister and a brother
0: Deanna thank you so much for chatting to us today on the podcast it's been great to be encouraged and inspired to reach out but also thank you so much for talking about the church as family I think it's a really important topic so thank you thank
1: you Sarah for the opportunity
0: until next time I hope you have a wonderful week